Now, it, it certainly wasn't the first sighting or suspected big cat in the, the Bendigo and the Goldfields area. Um, there'd been a couple of instances where goats or sheep had been killed um, and various uh, people in the community had said that they'd seen a tiger or a lion or a, some other sort of variety of, of big cat. Um, but this is the one that's, I, I guess, they picked up and, and ran with it a bit. It's 1907, a Thursday in late January. Sisters Al Heath and Trine Christensen are driving through the whipstick to the family farm at Kamaruka. Climbing a crest some 18 miles north of Bendigo, they see what they initially think to be a fox atop the hill. The animal appears to have no fear as it approaches their buggy. The women, terrified, rush home to the farm to tell their family of the animal, which they have determined to be no fox at all. Three to four feet in length with a long tail, thick neck and head, like a cat about the nose, but more oblong. About 24 inches tall with a glossy brown body and lighter undercarriage and walking in a sneaking attitude and gait. The sisters are convinced they have faced a panther. But are they credible witnesses? You're listening to the podcast, Look History in the Eye, produced by Public Record Office Victoria, the archive of the State Government of Victoria, where over 100 kilometres of public records about Victoria's past are carefully preserved in climate-controlled vaults. We meet the people who dig into those boxes, look history in the eye, and bother to wonder why. I'm Tara Oldfield, the Communications Advisor at Public Record Office Victoria. Last year, my colleagues and I covered quite a few Melbourne stories for Look History in the Eye, from Coburg prison escapes to Melbourne monuments that never came to be. But what about the stories further afield, those that captured the attention of Melburnians of the time? Teacher records, local council correspondence and inquests from across Victoria can be found in the State Archival Collection, with many Bendigo records available through the Bendigo Regional Archive Centre, located at the Bendigo Library. Such records, along with newspaper reports of the time, reveal the story of the Christensen sisters, their family, their work as teachers, and their strange experience with a mysterious creature known as the Kamaruka Panther. The story gripped Melbourne, with newspapers reporting every sighting of the roaming panther and the search parties scouring the scrub in the regions of Victoria. Desiree Petit-Keating is the Bendigo Regional Archive Centre Officer. She began researching the Kamaruka Panther in 2019, inspired by Dr David Waldron's work on big cat folklore and panther sightings throughout Australia. Um, so in oh, about halfway through 2019, um, the Bendigo Regional Archive Centre, or BRAC as we refer it to, um, celebrated 10 years in operation and so we decided that that probably warranted a bit of a party and how else do archivists party except to get um, other archivists up to talk to people. So we had the wonderful David uh, Waldron, Dr David Waldron from Federation University and he came up and gave a talk titled Phantoms, Panthers and Mystery Airships and it was about folklore on the goldfields and specifically he spoke about the Tantaluna Tiger which was um, a suspected big cat over near Mount Gambier in 1893. And um, he, he spoke about that. And uh, afterwards we thought, hmm, did we maybe have our own tiger? And yes, we did. We had the Kamaruka panther. According to Waldron, reports of large cat-like predators emerged in Australia during early settlement in the 1830s. But it was the Tantanula tiger that spurred Australia's largest big cat panic. 
The story of the tiger in Tantanoola, South Australia, originated in the 1880s and continued to gain steam well into the 1890s and beyond, with sightings of an enormous tiger-like black and yellow beast, cat tracks and livestock deaths. In 1895, two men shot and killed an animal they claimed to be the Tantanoola tiger. Some weren't convinced, and big cat sightings have continued ever since. And so, from the Tantanoola tiger, we fast forward 12 years and trek across to the Bendigo region of Victoria, where the Christensen sisters live with their family near Kamaruka. Kamaruka was a little a, a little township north of Bendigo. So, um, if you travel north of Bendigo, you reach an area called Huntley, and if you you veer off to your your right, you you head towards Echuca and Elmore, and if you head straight north and continue on, you'll reach Kamaruka. The two sisters, there was um, seven siblings. Um, Alheath was the eldest daughter, and Treen was the youngest daughter, and then there were two younger brothers after them. Um, they lived at a in a, a district that's called Dramartin, which is a little bit northeast of Kamaruka, and they were travelling down to Bendigo um, in a in a ho- with a horse and carriage, and um, they they were teachers. They were both teachers. Um, five of the seven siblings actually ended up being um, training as teachers, and we see from the, the inspectors' reports that they were. Um, you know, the descriptions that the inspector gives of, of the sisters in their teaching practice, um, they use words like, you know, rigorous, uh, careful, painstaking, thoughtful, intelligent, um, careful and hardworking. Um, their students were getting really good results, even in the smaller schools. They were sweeping scholar prize lists, so they were clearly very, very good at what they did. Um, they were the, the children of Tobias and Maria Christensen, who'd come out from um, Denmark, and there's quite a few Danish and Scandinavian families that settled in the district at that time. And uh, and so they lived on a 115 acres at Dramartin and they were heading into Bendigo, um, obviously being the, the nearest larger centre to Kamaruka. We see in an inquest when um, when the girl's father died, um, Aleth was 17 at the time, she actually found her father and you can see from her deposition in the inquest that she's, you know, she's very observant, she's very articulate. In 1907, the sisters were aged 23 and 29. That year, the eldest, Al Heath, was promoted from the Pathos State School to the Rochester State School after just one term. Described as a teacher with few equals, with her scholars sweeping prize lists at all competitions where they were virtually unbeaten. Such was the regard for her ability in tuition that the Patho School community put on a farewell social where they presented her with several gifts, including a dagger brooch set with pears and rubies. In January, the sisters were driving from the Whipstick to Bendigo with their horse. Now the road, I imagine, and again, I haven't looked at maps for this, but I imagine it's quite similar to what it would have been at that time because it does cut through what's now the Whipstick State Forest. Um, so it's a fairly substantial area of, um, of, of woodlands and this road cuts right through the middle of it. So there's very little, few roads and intersections that come off it for quite a long um, stretch. Um, it's a fairly straight road. It is quite undulating, so there's a lot of crests and a lot of falls as you're driving along it. And the, the whipstick is basically, it's an ironbark forest, but there's a lot of low scrub, so wattle bushes, all sorts of acacias and malaleucas and what have you. Um, it's quite a dry area, um, and it certainly would have been at that time. Um, there was a bit of eucalyptus distilling going on in that district, um, along with a little bit of mining, but mostly you know, sheep cropping 
that sort of thing. So you kind of you you leave Bendigo and then you hit the Whipstick Forest and you come out the other side and you're in um, sort of cropping flats, which is uh, which is Kamaruka. As they were coming up a hill, they saw a silhouette on the top of the hill and they took it initially to be a fox, um, but as they started up the hill, this animal started to come down toward them um, and they said it, um, it it stopped and it observed them before it went into the scrub. It didn't ha seem to have any fear of them um, and it started stalking them um, for a little while. So when they were asked to describe what the, the animal looked like up close, um, they said it had a body of about three to four foot long, had a, a long tail, had a thick neck and a head. It was very feline in profile. It stood about uh, 20 inches at the shoulder. It was a glossy brown colour and it walked with a sneaking attitude, which I think is a brilliant, just such an evocative description. Um, so they they kept going. They, they hurried on, as I guess you would in that situation. And coming back, they actually didn't go by this very direct road back to Bendigo. They'd been sort of so shaken by the, the experience that they went the long way round and it was really quite a long way round. So, um, you know, it, it obviously really impacted on them. The Melbourne and interstate newspapers were transfixed by the encounter. Yeah, so not just Melbourne, but actually beyond, we're seeing a lot of interstate coverage as well, which is interesting. Um, so we see things like panther scrub scare, um, a dangerous animal, and then we, we get a little bit of uh, more hyperbole with chased by a panther. Um, and there's a description of, um, of these women being chased for a mile by this animal, which is uh, a bit at odds with the description that we, we read first in the Addy. Um, so within days, there's other people coming forward to different papers to share their own experience, suggesting that they'd seen something in the Kamaruka district. Um, people started carrying firearms. So we see reports of what's going on as time um, progresses. There's search parties that are put out um, to try and find what it might be as well. So we're, we're getting reporting not just of the initial incident, but also what's happening as, as time's moving. <laughs> Wild beasts at large. Something like a mild scare has been caused here through reports of a panther being seen in the whipstick. And most of those who had the occasion to travel through the scrub to Bendigo say they will carry firearms in their vehicles. The panther, or tiger, which is said to be at large in the whipstick scrub, seems to be getting more daring. Theories about the origins of the Kamaruka panther abounded. Could it be connected to the Tantanula tiger of South Australia? or an escapee from a menagerie, or just some feral dog or cat, or maybe something altogether mystical, unexplainable, as yet undiscovered. The main theory seemed to be it was a big dog of a strange variety, and that's a quote from one of the reports. Um, there's a number of mentions that there was a circus and a menagerie that had come through 12 months earlier and that they camped um, in the district and it was quite possibly, you know, an escapee from their collection. Um, some claimed it was too big to be a panther, others that claimed that they'd seen it. Um, they said it was shaped and marked more like a tiger. Um, Again, we had that report from Sydney um, on the same day as, as the, the panther report about lions escaping from a circus in Sydney. And we do see that um, happening quite, well, not regularly, but certainly not irregularly, that there would be animals with travelling circuses and menageries that would, um, that would escape from those places. Um, 
One paper suggested that despite the initial sightings from 1895 of the Tantalu tiger, that it was actually the same tiger that had travelled up from uh, from Mount Gambier to Kamaruka. Um, and there was an orchardist at Epsom, which is a bit closer into Bendigo, who claimed that he had a dog that was big and peculiar, peculiarly marked and that it had broken, it broken its chain a couple of weeks earlier and he thought that that might have been what was causing the uh, the sightings. Desiree did some digging and discovered that about one year earlier there was in fact a circus that came through town. So could this be the most credible story of the bunch? If we go through we can find a listing of the animals that they had with them. Um, now among I think something like 20 lions they had bears, they had a chimpanzee, they had tigers, they had a polar bear, they had a hyena. They also had a puma and they had a cape lynx, which if you have a look at a cape lynx, which is um, also referred to as a caracal, you could easily mistake that profile for a fox, I think. Um, and again, it fits the description. It's about the right size. It's about the right colour. It's the right sort of face shape. So I think, you know, there's certainly no reports of, of an escapee of, uh, of a, a lynx or a puma while they were in town, but... I think given that there were so many of these groups travelling around, um, it's, you know, it, it's not outside the realms of possibility that they may have actually seen a big cat. Similar theories have been posited about the Tantanula tiger years earlier, with historian and botanist Neville Bonney claiming that a collision between circus caravans in 1883 set a pair of tigers loose on the road between Robe and Mount Gambia. While the Tantanula tiger story was somewhat resolved by a purported shooting of the animal, the locals appeared to have had no such luck locating the Kamaruka panther. Well, not according to the papers in any case. And so sightings continued. As late as 1915, a large animal reported by farmer John Comer as looking like a tiger or leopard was seen in Mandarang, coming through the scrub and then heading toward the Maloney and Semen farms. Locals thought it may have been a pig, but Comer was adamant that the animal walked with a stealthy, springy stride, just like a tiger, and was striped like one. Local superintendent of police, Arthur Dungy, was sceptical it was the Kamaruka panther, suggesting that if the creature was still alive... Very old bird by now. If anyone can lay low that ferocious, mythical beast of prey, he will win the undying gratitude at every member of the force. Life for the Christensen sisters, meanwhile, went on. They, they continued to teach. They had a younger brother who, um, who went and studied Bachelor of Education in Melbourne and came back. Um, they mostly taught in the district and a little bit beyond, so over towards Echuca. Um, the, the younger brother, Christian, who was a, a, t a very good teacher as well, he was killed in the, in the First World War. Um, and the, the whole family were very, very strongly engaged in a lot of that war relief effort, um, funds raising and things like that um, in, in their own district. Sightings of big cats have continued to captivate, often with a theory of escape from a menagerie or circus some years earlier, attached. I just find it was really interesting that, you know, the whole idea about there was a circus and, you know, it was an escapee. And when we look back, there actually, you know, that, that was actually happening. There was a circus and we do have examples of, you know, animals escaping. There, there was certainly a, um, a couple of years later in, in Bendigo, one of the elephants from Worth Circus got away and it smashed up a whole heap of shop fronts and, uh, and it took them hours to, to get it uh, under, under wraps and, uh, and back into their, um, 
their, their troop down to the, the train station back to Melbourne. Um, this particular circus, the same year that they were in Bendigo, once they reached Castlemaine, they had a, a baboon escape. So I just, yeah, I, I find it really interesting that these um, theories that people are coming up with when we look at the evidence, there's actually something that suggests, oh, maybe, you know, there is something to this after all. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's um, – I think if someone today said, oh, you know, we saw a wildcat, then you'd be fairly incredulous. <laughs> but I think at this time with, you know, all of these reports – and as I say, this is happening in London, it's happening in New York, it's happening in Sydney, um, it's happening in Castlemaine. So it's it, – you know, these are things that are actually happening. So I, I think at this particular time, you know, th- there might be a, a, a little bit of truth to it perhaps. It's a nice idea anyway. <laughs> Thank you to Desiree Petit-Keating for sharing this story from the Bendigo Regional Archives that so enraptured Melburnians of the time. For those interested in exploring this topic further, we recommend Dr David Waldron's book with Simon Townsend, Snarls from the Tea Tree, Australian Big Cat Folklore. A big thanks to David for inspiring Desiree's research and for sending me through some of his own research for this episode. Learn more about the records featured in this story by heading to our episode page at prov.vic.gov.au.